Welcome to Battleground Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Our usual host, Matt Brunke, is on a well-deserved vacation, but we'll be back next week. So in the meantime, we have a guest panelist. She's also a state assembly candidate in southeast Wisconsin on the south side of Milwaukee, so you can look her up. But she is also Citizen Action's Movement Politics Director, Joanna Bouch. Joanna, thank you for joining us. Happy to be here again on the Battleground Wisconsin podcast show. And then we have Claire Zoutke, uh, our Healthcare for All Director. Good morning, Claire. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Joanna. So our big topics today are going to be two big ones, the pandemic out of control in Wisconsin and nationally, and the gigantic economic impact. And of course, in both topics, the failed federal and state response and local governments, at least some of them, trying to step up with the limited powers they have. This is a tied-in audience, so Battleground Wisconsin folks know what's going on, uh, but we'll dig in some more. And the first is it's surging nationally, and Wisconsin, it's clear that most states opened up unsafely. Uh, there are three that didn't, the ones who hit the hardest first. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut are doing the best now, along with Maine and uh, New Hampshire. Uh, but everyone else is doing somewhere between not very good to awful, and we're one of those places. And in fact, in Wisconsin, we have a activ high activity rate for COVID-19 in 80% of the state now. And uh, the uh, website covidexitstrategy.org has now actually rated Wisconsin as one of the 19 uh, worst states, in other words, the really bad ones. And so... Uh, you won't be able to see it, but I'm making sure the panelists can see the scary map where we're the outlier in our whole neighborhood other than Iowa. In other words, Minnesota's good, comparatively Illinois, Indiana, Michigan's great. Michigan's ahead of the whole region and like some of the other leading states, not the top states, but the second tier. And then uh, uh, Iowa is bad like we are, and they're under full right-wing control. We're under partial right-wing control. Indiana's under right-wing control, same with Ohio, and they're doing better, full right-wing control, uh, but more rational right-wing control, a pick, a pick comparatively, it appears. Ohio, we know, is, but Indiana, I guess, as well. Claire, uh, do you have any thoughts on what's going on now? It seems to me that um, what we have feared all along is just continuing to play out, which is that the longer we get into this, that people don't take the precautions that they need to be taking seriously, um, that, that these cases are linked to the fact that Wisconsin is a totally reopened state, um, that people can go into restaurants, that people can go into bars. And I imagine that there are a lot of folks out there who think, you know, I haven't gotten it yet, which, you know, so far, so I, I can probably, you know, take a few more risks with my behavior, or if I haven't gotten it yet, I'm not going to get it. Um, or maybe it means that it's not really in my area. It's something that affects, you know, this other part of the state. Um, and so they, so they behave, um, there they engage in risky behaviors, um, and we continue to see these, these cases climb. Uh, Joanna, if you look at this, the, 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 the category Wisconsin's now in, among the terrible states where, like Texas, the Deep South, the Far West, uh, uncontrolled spread. So we have uncontrolled spread in Wisconsin. So as a 
Wisconsinite, a loyal Wisconsinite, cares about this state and the people here. What, what's your reaction to how things have gone? I think that it's so wild to me, um, right? So it's like, what, over 140,000 Americans have died um, because of this horrific virus, right? Um, and it seems as though we have less precautions now than we did way back in March when we had, um, you know, less cases, less people were sick, um, less people were dying. Um, and now here we are in July and things have heightened so much. Um, and yet we want to pull back on, on restrictions. You know, we want to uh, not wear masks. We want to go to school. <laughs> we want to eat inside restaurants um, and act like this pandemic isn't taking people's lives. Um, and that's really baffling to me. Like numbers are going up. Precautions are going down. How does that make sense? So it's interesting. Both of you pointed to personal behavior. And there's a lot of it that's triggering me whenever I go out the door of people being heedless, but you can also see the people being careful. So I want to make sure we recognize that some people are being very careful and thoughtful, but others are not. Uh, but let's look at policy. I mean, I have a temptation uh, as a close observer of humanity to feel like when you have mixed messages and don't have clear norms, that it's more those leaders' fault, the people responsible for public safety, than individuals, that it, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's uh, uh, concerning that individuals don't see all through this and do the right thing, and we should actually do everything we can in our social circles to encourage good behavior. But at the same time, in Wisconsin, uh, the governor was quick, and the health secretary, Amanda Palm, uh, was quick to do uh, a social distancing, you know, uh, a, a safe-at-home order, which was good. Uh, but then when the legislature went out there and uh, and sued uh, against a law that had been in the books for decades and decades and uh, used effectively in the influenza of 1918, uh, and then the very parts of the Supreme Court with a ridiculous decision and scary racist oral arguments overturned it, uh, it seems like Governor Evers has taken his ball and going home. Uh, to a large degree. I know he's still doing things as far as running Department of Health Services and providing information, but he's not trying to do anything specific or challenge what's going on. And that Voss and Fitzgerald, the Senate Majority Leader and the House Speaker, shockingly uh, just went home to reelect themselves and have, have been AWOL as right red state Republican governors take action Two-thirds of states now have face mask requirements. In Wisconsin, no legislative action, even a, even a glimmer of them coming back to talk about what to do. And then with Evers saying he doesn't have the authority and uh, kind of being very wishy-washy this week, unfortunately, though, I know talking to his people that they know that, that there should be a face mask requirement. I just, I don't know, call the legislature back, start the regulatory process and make them come and reject the regulation. I'm just thinking, and he's probably thinking along these lines, but it's time to start to move the ball forward. But what I want to get both of your thoughts. Yeah, there has been just an absolute alarming um, and um, I think almost like cowardly level of leadership from our state officials. We asked this front. I mean, I think history is going to look back at our state leaders over like the course of 2020 and just incredibly unfavorably, incredibly unkindly, because because these are leaders who have 
the, you know, the deaths of over 800 Wisconsinites on their hands. Um, I mean, they completely abandoned their posts. They completely left um, us as Wisconsin residents. Just, they just like threw us the wolves that are, that are this virus, right? Like just, just completely left us defenseless um, to this virus. And, um, and, and you can tell that that is, that that is true because all of the fights right now that are going on around the state around trying to do something are happening at the local level because everybody recognizes that like there is, there's not even anybody to go to for help at the state level because the legislature just continues to refuse to come into session and because they've, because they've hampered so not everything to your point, but so much of what the governor feels he can do. And so people are having these battles around things like mask mandates at the local level, at city councils and county boards and like lobbying village administrators. I mean, it is like, these are not battles that should have to be fought exclusively at the municipal and county level. Like this is something that the state should be doing for its residents. And the, that lack of leadership is shameful. I couldn't agree more. And I just think the governor needs to find other ways to lead, Claire. So what I would like to do, because we're near a break, is I was looking at the numbers, and I noticed that really one of the worst places in Wisconsin is Waukesha County. We've had a whole lot of racist comments from the House, from the Assembly Speaker, from the Chief Justice Supreme Court about this being a cultural thing with Latinos. They specifically called them out. And now we got the rich, privileged white folks with massive reproduction rate uh, and high test rate in Waukesha County, where they don't believe in science because they support modern conservative politicians. So I want to get Joanna's comments when we get back. But we're going to take a quick break. This is Battleground Wisconsin. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Before we took a break, I was... Uh, bring to Joanna's attention that we've had from the Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court, from the House Speaker and the leaked recording, basically xenophobic, racist comments about how there's higher transmission rate because of Latinos. Uh, in, in the case of the uh, Chief Justice, she didn't say Latino. She said they weren't normal people in Brown County. They were people in the meatpacking plants, which are, of course, so that's a, that's a pretty loud dog whistle. But it, Voss was even clearer about Racine. By the way, Racine's is very high, too. I said Waukesha before the break is one of the hot spots. Rich white people, white plight suburbs, lots of not packed together. It's not Manhattan, not the north side of Milwaukee. But they, they're told masks don't matter. Go back to normal. Go to the bar. And they're doing it. And then Racine County is one of the hot spots as well, the home of Robin Voss. And I can't believe that's all Latinos. But, Joanna, what is your, uh, your, your, your thought on this? Yeah, I think that um, we need to be calling out GOP more, the GOP more on just their lack of responsibility their lack of care um, for anybody but themselves, you know, it's, it's really the guilt is on them um, for the shape that Wisconsin is in right now. Um, and, you know, I'm not surprised by these accusations um, that Latinx folks or brown people or black folks are the ones um, responsible for the spread of this virus. You know, um, oftentimes when uh, things go awry, um, we are to blame, right? 
uh, it's black people's fault that we have President Trump because they didn't turn out to vote, right? It's always uh, deflecting to black and brown people to take the responsibility of, um, you know, these negative impacts that we see as Wisconsinites and as, uh, as people of, the, of U- the United States, right? All over the country, we're getting blamed for things. Um, and so, you know, that's really disheartening, but it, it is what it is, and, it, and it's a constant thing. You know, they, they say that, oh, Milwaukee is going to be the worst place because of our protests um, for peace and for justice. Um, and yet it's so ironic that it's Waukesha County um, that has the highest rates um, when they were the ones that were protesting for haircuts. Um, you know, but, but it's still on the Latinx folks. It's still on um, Black communities. And it's a constant battle of us trying to defend ourselves as, um, you know, not being considered second-class citizens. Do you, uh, do you think, Joanna, that uh, Speaker Voss will be talking about the, the problem with white culture anytime soon? Uh, somehow I doubt that. Yeah, I'm, I'm highly doubtful. Hopefully and doubtful. I, and uh, uh, Patience Rogensack, our state Supreme Court justice, I mean, talk about discrediting a decision, uh, discounting all the infections and meatpacking plants. And just to be clear, these workers are being forced to work by the president uh, under unsafe conditions, and the president is not enforcing OSHA requirements and is defanging the CDC. And so he literally is allowing people to be infected and killed to get pork and meat out to people. It's just stunning, but that's what's going down, and we're blaming those workers who need the job in order to support their families. It's shocking. Exactly. But- Exactly. Like who's running these, who's running these meatpacking companies, right? Who's running um, these factories where they're forcing people um, to go to work every single day, right? Like um, I live in a a super majority area, a a POC super majority area. And uh, lots of my neighbors, uh, they don't have the luxury of sitting at home on Zoom calls all day, right? They wake up, they wake up every morning, put their uniforms on and they go to work. Um, and now they're being punished for that. And now they're being um, described as, you know, um, the villain for spreading this virus. And, you know, on that issue of what's going on with companies, remember, the Republicans nationally are, are going to put in it as a, as a price for COVID relief, as people are about to be, we'll talk about in the second half of the show, cut off unemployment uh, supplements that are keeping families afloat that there be blanket liability protection for people like the meatpacking companies. So, but here, we know that they're driving it, that that conservative Republicans, the malignant form of of conservatism that dominates the Republican party uh, in our era. Uh, But look, you got, we've meant this before, Governor Evers and his Department of Health Services decided not to publish what work sites and what companies have huge COVID outbreaks. And so there's not even, they're even trying to, and, and so they're being complicit right now, and they need to reverse that decision. We've been calling on that uh, for a long time. And I know they're probably conflicted, I because I, they're, they're far more in tune with the re- reality here than Republicans. But still, I think given what's going on and given there's no enforcement of occupational safety laws in this country on COVID-19 right now, uh, that they, unless it's a strong blue state, uh, they literally need to step in. But the other thing, we talked about masks. We mentioned that uh, Green Bay were seen superior. We didn't, but I should mention, have passed mass ordinances joining Madison and uh, Milwaukee, at least. Michigan, Illinois, and Minnesota did statewide this week. 
what two-thirds of states now have, including a lot of uh, deep red states like Louisiana and Arkansas and Alabama, Alabama, and no word from our legislature. But the other big thing, and Claire, I want to ask you about contact tracing. We know you have to be doing contact tracing if you're not going to close down massively testing and contract tracing. There's an issue with tests taking too long. But then contact tracing keeps going down. In Wisconsin, we're down to a rate of 13%, which means there's hardly any contact tracing going on. We were near 30%. That was our peak. It's 100% in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, the best state. And it's been 100% for months. So what is going on here? I mean, the Green Bay Press-Gazette, and it's available to all the Gannett papers, so the Milwaukee paper, all the uh, huge number of the papers are Gannett papers, has a survey asking people uh, to put whether or not if they know someone or they have co- if they had COVID or if someone in their family did, whether contact tracing occurred. So we're down to the point of the media trying to investigate whether contact tracing is going on, and the, na- the numbers tracking Wisconsin are getting worse and worse. Where's the proposed, where's the legislature on this? Where is the statement from the health secretary, Amanda Palm, that we, that we need more money for contact tracing to put pressure on the legislature? I'm not hearing anything, but you're really tuned into healthcare, Claire. So if you can help me with this, please do. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I can provide you with a ton of help about um, understanding why this contract tracing um, sort of shortage or um, yeah, sure. I guess I'll call it yeah, shortage of contact tracers and investment in these services um, is occurring because it seems like a really easy way that we could try to stop the unbridled community spread of this virus. If I should say this, if I had to speculate, I would say this is probably a money issue, right? Because you have to pay contact tracers, and um, the as we know, the state. Um, legislature has not come in to sort of allocate any funding towards these types of services. And so, um, again, I think a lot of this burden falls on um, local and municipal governments. I know Milwaukee, for example, just in the last 24 hours, um, I saw an urgent need job posting being circulated online uh, of, of looking for case investigators and contact tracers and that some of these positions were paid, but some of them were volunteer. Like, I think that this might be a money issue um, in that, in that the state hasn't allocated a lot of money to this. And in fact, you know, Governor Evers announced this week that he needs the Department of Administration to try to find another $250 million to try to cut from the state budget. So, so it just may be that they can't allocate any money to local governments to do this work. And so local governments like Milwaukee are trying to find a mix of part-time paid and volunteer people to conduct these services. And I'm not saying that that's okay. I think, I think that is like a severe sort of government feeling. Um, just another example of that. So, uh, Joanna, wouldn't the right thing to do be Amanda Palm, the health secretary, announcing something like, we need you know, whatever it is, $100 million for contact tracing. And by the way, we employ a lot of people and we have an employment crisis and we need the legislature to come back and allocate it. So why doesn't that happen? And why doesn't uh, the Senate, the Senate is apparently fighting the whole idea of, ba- of giving money to state and local governments. That's also a pot of money that could be used and that's being held up. It was in the HEROES Act. So both at the federal level with Republicans and then the Evers administration, at least saying what they need. Uh, do you think I'm right to say that they should at least say what they need? Absolutely. You know, for so long, I mean, you know, we, we've we been seeing a partisan um, legislature here in Wisconsin for years, right? 
Um, and I am just, I think that there needs to be the transparency that, um, you know, the, the Evers administration, the health department, that they're doing everything they can. And that means like calling out and saying what they need and what they're doing, even if they feel like, oh, there's no way we're going to get this money. I don't think that they should default to like, oh, let's just not say anything because we know that it's not going to happen. Right. Like we need to put our demands out there loud and clear, like take lessons from our protesters that are out there every day yelling, shouting, advocating, right? We need the same type of leadership um, in our, our government, you know, our governor administration. Like they need to be making the same demands every single day um, because we, you know, the regular people out here, We, I think that also for us too, it lets us know that they're doing something. It lets us know that Governor Evers is doing something. And so, yeah, no, I absolutely think that they need right. to be calling out for that money all the time. Very well said. And I would say that if they don't politically, why wouldn't the public blame them for the pandemic going out of control if they don't even say what they need? That's exactly. the concern. And you probably agree as our movement politics director. How is that good politics? It's bad science, bad public policy. Uh, if the public isn't told what is needed, then how do they hold anyone accountable? The so, people need transparency. Yes. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Thank you very much. We will be right back after the short break at Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to Battleground Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action Wisconsin, joined by our usual panelist, Claire Zautke, our Healthcare for All Director, and a guest panelist, uh, Joanna Bouch, our Movement Politics Director. And we're just finishing up our discussion of the pandemic. We're about to transition uh, in the show over to the economic impact and the need for economic relief. Uh, but Claire, before we do that, you were going to say a little about uh, what a number of uh, Citizen Action members and other activists just accomplished in Green Bay. Yeah, thanks, Robert. I just think, um, I think that's really important to give credit where credit is due. And we mentioned earlier in the podcast that uh, just this past week, uh, Green Bay um, adopted a mask ordinance. And I think it's really important to shout out the work of our Citizen Action members and organizers in the Green Bay area who, over the course of less than a week, generated um, almost 150 emails to city council members um, who, you know, engaged with the mayor's office, found storytellers for a press event. Um, our, our Northeast organizer, Noah Reef, um, did she just did a tremendous job um, uh, making, helping to make this mask ordinance happen. And um, I, I think that those members and our organizer up there should be really proud of what they helped accomplish for, for their community. Because I think without our organizing work and our members' activism, um, that, that may not have happened. Um, so, and I, and I also want to say that I think, um, and this was originally an idea that I think Joanna pitched on a podcast, um, but this idea of having enforcement um, fall on um, businesses, so that the businesses get citations and whatnot and not individuals is um, a really, a really great idea that has taken hold and that was also included in the Green Bay Ordinance. And I mentioned this to one of our national partners um, and 
um, that, you know, we are trying to pass mask ordinances that, that would have sort of equitable and equal enforcement. And it just sort of blew one of these national partners' minds. She was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we didn't think of this. So I think it's something really cool and novel that we're doing here in Wisconsin that, that we deserve to, to be proud of. Thanks for call, thanks for raising that up, Claire. And so, in addition to the pandemic spreading out of control and Wisconsin now being in the uncontrolled category for the pandemic, not the place you want to be, uncontrolled virus spreading throughout the population of our of the Badger State and eighteen other states in the United States. Uh, but then there's the economic impact. We have a medically induced depression. And no matter what, right-wing Republicans want to do to force the economy open, the economy won't work if it's not safe to work and if it's not safe to go out and buy goods. And so it's having a devastating impact. But we've been sitting around, I don't know, six months, six weeks uh, at least, uh, waiting for the Republicans to act. The uh, House Democrats passed the HEROES Act quite some time ago, and now we're near a deadline where unemployment insurance is about to be cut off. Uh, literally, it's cut off. Excuse me, I'm not supposed to use the word literally anymore, so I apologize. It will be cut off. Everyone has these verbal ticks. That's one of mine. Uh, it's cut off. Thank you to my brother, Ted, a good listener, for always pointing that out. Uh, we, we have a cutoff on Saturday with people's last enhanced unemployment check appearing next week. And on average, nationally, Wisconsin's numbers are actually worse, but it's complicated. You only end up with 40 percent of your income if you happen to be on unemployment. A lot of folks didn't have jobs before this started. And they're out of luck. And how can you stay in your house and home? We know in Claire, there's good national numbers that show a massive impact here on people's food security, on their ability to stay in their homes. Uh, there's going to be a wave of evictions and foreclosures. I mean, this is already a crisis, but a lot of families are being kept afloat by the enhanced unemployment uh, payments. And as the pandemic gets worse, we're going to, like, cut them all off, apparently. We, as in the Trump administration and the Republicans in the U.S. Senate. Uh, we'll get to the prospects of them doing something. But at this point, they haven't. And the cutoff occurs starting in Wisconsin uh, next week, with only hours this week being counted. Uh, Claire, I know you've been looking at some of the numbers on this. Yeah, the Center for Budget and Policy Priorities, which is a extremely reputable national nonpartisan, non-ideological think tank that um, does really great analysis on federal budget um, taxation issues and how they affect states in particular, um, put out a report this week talk, uh, that, that talks about the financial economic impact of um, the pandemic and the government's response to it on uh, regular folks. And um, specifically, they talked about um, the effect on employment, the effect on renters, and the effect on food security. And so I want to highlight um, a few a few things. Um, and so the first is that um, that food insecurity um, has increased uh, significantly since the pandemic started. And so um, the in the first week of July, 
Um, so, so this is not old data. This is literally just like two weeks ago, the first week of July, 11% of all Americans were food insecure or did, answered a survey saying um, this national uh, right, regular survey, again, incredibly reputable, um, saying that they did not have enough food to eat, but that amongst um, Black and Latino folks, that was 20%. So again, we see like double the rate of, of food insecurity in that community or those communities compared to the overall general population and then presumably even more amongst white folks. Now, if we go and we look at what that means in Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsinites, 330,000 um, or 8% of the entire population said that they experienced not having enough to eat in the first week of July. Um, but when you look at what that means to children, it's even worse because when adults with children said and were asked if um, their children had enough to eat in the last week, 243,000 children didn't have enough to eat. That's 17%. 17% of all children in the state of Wisconsin didn't have enough to eat in the first week of July. And that is directly tied to joblessness because of this pandemic. And that is exactly why. And there was a 17% increase in Wisconsin in people applying for SNAP or um, food share benefits. So, so like this is exactly why we cannot have a federal government that is going to be ending these emergency unemployment and economic stimulus benefits to people. Um, and that's not even taking into account the housing insecurity, the number of people that are behind on rent, and the number of people who are behind on utilities that we've been working, that Citizen Action's been working on. And, you know, the racial disparities, Joanna, Claire mentioned some of them. They're in the uh, Center and Budget and Policy Priorities report. There's a disparity just in the amount of pain, right? Because, in part, uh, people of color in this country have fewer, have less resiliency because they have a huge wealth gap that's been built up over decades of structural racism. So if they, only, if they barely have enough in the bank to make inflated rent, then obviously they get in trouble a lot quicker. Their incomes are also lower. They're also more unlikely not to have unemployed, be employed in the first place and therefore to now not get unemployment insurance or in the case of uh, the Latinx community, uh, not have legal status, even though they've been parts of this community and working and giving back to community often for decades, if not in a long time. And so looking at these numbers, Joanne, I just want you to reflect. We're talking about more big bailouts for people who didn't need it. Remember, we gave a huge amount of the bailout, much more of the bailout to big corporations uh, than we did to average people, and we didn't target it very well. Uh, but just your thoughts on this, on on the pain and the disparities in the pain. I'm furious. I'm heartbroken. You know, Potawatomi just laid off about 1,600 workers, and a lot of those people are black and brown, poor people. You know, and and they're trying to apply for unemployment, and and it's backed up. Um, you know, We Energies is lifting the COVID moratorium here in Wisconsin, um, uh, meaning folks' power is going to get shut off, right? Black and brown people's electricity is going to be cut off. They're not going to be able to plug in their fridge to keep their food at the temperatures they need to be at so that their families can eat um, safe uh, meals. Um, you know, and, and just quick shout out to our um, Northside Rising Co-ops for the work that they've been doing, calling We Energies, demanding um, that they uh, stop the shutoff, right? It's not just 
unemployment that's going to be ending, right? Like this COVID relief unemployment at the end of the week. The, on the 25th is also when that We Energies is lifting the moratorium. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm outraged, uh, you know, and these are, and let's, but let's not forget and let's not um, diminish that these issues we're talking about, black and brown people, poor people have been facing forever since before COVID, right? Like COVID is just amplifying everything a million times worse and putting it more, maybe more people are paying attention to it now because of the pandemic. Um, but like these things, uh, you know, my people have been facing since before, since before March of 2020. It's been hard for us before then, you know, and it's really unfortunate. We know, we know that our, um, you know, this Trump administration um, and the federal uh, level, they're not going to do anything for us, right? Um, and so, you know, we're calling on our state elected officials to step up and, you know, what, they're not doing anything either. And so, um, you know, then we look to our local government and it's just like the, the way things are happening, you know, and then we're also trying to tell people to engage in our democracy, right, for the November election. People are discouraged. This is so disappointing. And, and, this and it's is been going the under, on forever. This is the, in my opinion, not talked about enough, the underlying driver of the great street protests that are happening, the reason folks are facing a police state in their communities is because they are economically not full citizens and therefore and are packed together uh, in areas that are over-policed. So when we get back, great points, Joanna. We're going to talk about what's happening in Congress as far as we know. Uh, this is Battleground Wisconsin. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Battleground Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig. Uh, we're joined by our usual panelist, uh, Claire Zautke, and we have a great substitute today who also pinch hit last week, uh, Joanna Bouch, who is uh, the Movement Politics Director at CIS National Wisconsin. And we were talking about the immense pain that people are feeling in these depression-like conditions, which are pandemically induced. Uh, and, but now we're going to talk a little bit about and we've talked about the racial disparities, we're going to talk a little bit about what's about to happen in Congress. And here's the challenge. Uh, we don't, things are going to change before time you hear this show. So we'll be careful. But as of Thursday morning, when we record, uh, the Senate Republicans seem poised to release their own COVID plan. They've been fighting all week among themselves and with the Trump administration. So we've been waiting here as the Republicans near this unemployment deadline where they're gonna cut people off, uh, suddenly feel some urgency. Uh, according to the press reports we are seeing, uh, they are not, they may or may not even do anything on unemployment, they're divided. Uh, they, there's, they may or may not do something on a worthless expensive provision uh, President Trump is demanding which is a payroll tax reduction because he's obsessed with the idea people are refusing to work because they're getting this cushy unemployment benefit and they have these great jobs to go back to if they just go. Uh, not true. The jobs aren't there and they're unsafe if they are there. And the president has been criminally negligent. I don't mean literally uh, since the president can't be charged with a crime, we learned. But morally, uh, on that, on making it safe for people to work. Uh, but whether and so, but it's going to be pared back. It's going to be a lot less money 
Uh, there might be one more round of one-time direct payments. You know, a $12 payment doesn't keep you in your home very long, folks, uh, no matter what. Some aid for the schools, but probably tied to them opening, whether it's safe or not. And according to the reports we're seeing, they're still at odds on whether to explain supplemental unemployment insurance or not, which runs out in days. So, Claire... What are your thoughts on the state of play here, understanding that uh, things are evolving and there will be details I haven't mentioned that will be different by the time folks listen to the show, but probably not dramatically. They're not, the Republicans are not going to co- suddenly come out with a targeted plan that helps the people who need help, which is what's necessary. No. Um, in fact, I, I think that's unlikely for a few reasons. And one of them that we haven't talked about is I think there's actually a fair amount of division within the Republican Party right now about uh, what should happen. So you have, and I mean, like, I'll tell you, 2020 is such a, such a ridiculous time that I'm referring to Mitch McConnell as like a mainstream Republican, um, because you have him who wants to have some sort of relief package. I mean, he's got He's got a, a race happening in his home state of Kentucky because he's up for re-election this year. Um, and then you have the sort of Tea Party contingent within the Republican Party that um, is really sick of all of the bailouts because they think we're just spending money left and right and they're super anti-spending. And the fact that we're in a global pandemic should not affect the fact that they're anti-spending. Um, so, so I think it's actually really challenging to predict what's going to be in the uh, Republican proposal that, that'll come out of the Senate. Um, and we expect that it'll happen. We're recording here on Thursday, so I expect it'll come out sometime in the next 24 hours, um, at least some sort of framework. Um, and I think, anyways, I think it's hard to predict because of exactly that division. Um, there's a couple things that have been talked about that we don't talk a lot about um, on the left because they're kind of tax and policy wonky, but I am a tax and policy wonk, so I will talk about them. Um, and one of them is that President Trump is really, really, really pushing for a payroll tax cut or payroll tax holiday, um, which is just so blatantly only serving the like wealthy folks in our country and not at all helping folks who are the most in need right now, because the most in need folks are the people who are un or underemployed and those are the people who are not paying any payroll taxes because they are not receiving any wages because they're unemployed so a payroll tax cut literally only helps people who are unemployed or who are employed and those are the people who don't need as much help right now right and let alone like setting aside the fact that payroll Taxes are what funds some of our most important programs that serve low-income folks, Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security. And so this is a doubly, triply regressive um, tax cut that the president is pushing for and that I expect Republicans in the Senate are debating, are hotly debating whether or not should be included in this next uh, bill. And that's the trick, right? Blow the money, then say that the program needs to get cut later because we need to have deficit discipline, which you never saw in the Reagan administration or the W. Bush administration or the Trump administration. It happens once you have the Democrats actually being able to help average people. But they're fighting among themselves, Joanna. Okay, They're saying on Thursday morning that Uh, McConnell will be announcing CARES 2, as he's calling it, not the HEROES Act, as the House call is calling it. But the negotiations are fluid. It's not they don't know if they're doing the unemployment and the Trump administration hasn't signed off. So we'll see if the announcement happens. But this is them fighting with each other. 
And then they haven't even discussed it with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. The Democrats have the HEROES Act, which looks like a utopian comparatively, but is also too limited in my view. Uh, but if you were, since we know we've mentioned you're running for office, so you may be starting your elected political career, uh, you're running for state assembly. But if you were fast forward uh, in Congress, maybe part of the squad, I don't know, you might join the squad. Uh, what would you do? So I'm not going to say what would Nancy Pelosi do. You're in Nancy Pelosi's caucus. You have this HEROES Act. The Republicans are about to put some sort of horrible proposal forward. And they're so far behind. People are going to cut off unemployment, whether they restore some of it in a couple of weeks or not. They're going to get cut off. Uh, what would you be doing if you were in the squad right now and you were about to get whatever the Republicans are going to propose? I'd call them out on their BS. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, you know, I'd do everything that I can to fight for the for the working people, right? Like that, those are my those people are my will be will be my top priority, are my top priority, right? Um, I'd call out, you know, the wealthy few in these large corporations, and because they're the ones that need to start paying their fair share, right? You know, I'd stomp around, right? No. <laughs> I, you know, I'd make the arguments that we need to, um, you know, prioritize the lives of the working class and, and regular people, um, you know, and I think that there are folks that are doing that. Um, we just need more of them, right? Like, that's why we've put forward this movement politics program, because we need elected officials that are going to be fighting for regular people. You know, it, it's unfortunate that, you know, there are things that I would like to see here in Wisconsin. Um, and again, you know, like Claire was saying, People don't want to talk about taxes and raising taxes and things like that, right? But, like, there are things here locally that we could do, I believe, that we could do, right? Like raising the sales tax and, you know, changing the, uh, you know, making sure that um, income taxes are higher for folks that are making you know, more than 250 k right? Like, why, why aren't we doing those things? Um, you know, we seem to find money for businesses. Um, but we can't find money for people. And it's just baffling to me, again, uh, uh, the way the GOP operates. Um, you know, I've, I've been having people talk to me about uh, lawsuits that could potentially go towards businesses by people claiming like, oh, I got sick in your business, right? Well, if the businesses are following, uh, you know, guidelines put forth by CDC and health professionals, they don't have to worry about that. GOP is making uh, distractions by talking about, you know, frivolous things that aren't even uh, real concerns. Um, and so for me, I would just want to bring the conversation back to real concerns, real people, the working class, and um, talk about how we need to be there for them and stand up for them. Because like I said earlier, they're the ones that are getting up every single day, putting their uniform on and going to work. Let me ask, and this is for either Joanna or Claire, potentially an unfair question. And Claire's a former office holder, maybe future she is a former Milwaukee school board member. Uh, so the question is, but one of the things about being in elected office is you get to these moments where you have to decide whether you sign off on an imperfect deal or whether and, and because people get cut off of things or whether you, you delay, which harms people in the short term, for something better. So do you have any thoughts about whether the Democrats should insist on something halfway between the HEROES Act and whatever McConnell finally releases today or later, depending on what happens. 
and what Trump will agree to? Or do they uh, do they say the whole Heroes Act or nothing, and that delays the process into August and maybe a long time? So if you feel like, I don't know, what's the game show you can pass? You can both feel free to pass, but I'm going to see if you have a thought on it. If you don't, we can move on. But I'll say that's what elected officials, that's why it's scary, who take this responsibility do have to face these choices of what do you do in an imperfect world when you have to choose something fast that's imperfect versus holding out for something better. Uh, my measure for making a decision when I was elected was always, can I go home at night and look myself in the mirror after this decision? And I don't think I'd be able to go home and look myself in the mirror if I knew that my vote cost people their their lives or their homes because their energy was shut off and they couldn't pay their rent um, or they lost their health insurance. So I, I, when we are in an immediate crisis like this, we got to provide immediate relief, but then you, but then you go back to work and you keep fighting for something better and better and better, no matter how much it annoys the leaders of your caucus or your elected body. You know, when I said that in Governor Evers' defense, I was very outspokenly unpleased by uh, uh, him not fighting it out on on Medicaid expansion, badge care expansion. But he was concerned about the schools being closed if he vetoed the whole budget. And I did say to his folks, look. He's the one who's responsible for the schools, like having no money in the fall. So I understand he had to make the decision and I could disagree with it, but I didn't have the burden of responsibility. So I think we're out of time. Unfortunately, I cut this off without giving Joanne an opportunity. So you'll have to go to her website, uh, her campaign website. If you want to, we would never, uh, but this is a news source. We can say it exists. If you want to know what Joanna thinks about things, there's another place to go. So with that, thank you for joining us on Battleground Wisconsin. Our regular host, Matt Brusky, will be back next week. And thank you to our producer, Brian Woolridge. Until next time, take care, live long, and prosper.